Hi everyone, Rabbi David Talon here from Mishnah Study, Masechet Shivuot, Perik Vav, Mishnah Zayin. The final Mishnah of Perik Vav discusses a situation of a dispute between a creditor and a debtor, a malve and a love, um, regarding a halva'a, a loan that was taken with a mashkon, with collateral, and the collateral was lost. How do they go about figuring out who should pay who? So before we read the Mishnah, it's worthwhile of reading the Rabbeinu Avadam Mibar Tiruras comment over here as a nice introduction. He says, uh, When a person lends money to his friend with collateral, the lender who takes the collateral from the borrower becomes a shomer sachar. He becomes a watchman over that collateral for money because he's going to eventually give that collateral back and receive his payment back in return. So he is liable to watch that product like a shomer sachar, like a paid watchman. And this is independent of whether he took the collateral at the time of the loan itself, or if maybe later on uh, he, took a, he took the collateral. So let's say he gave the guy two weeks to pay and he didn't pay back after two weeks. He says, okay, I'll give you a two week extension if you give me a collateral. This would also be a, a situation um, re- relevant to our Mishnah. Now, what happens if a lender takes collateral and then loses the collateral. He takes the person's watch and he loses the collateral. Says If the collateral was lost or stolen, and the collateral was in place of the debt, then the collateral offsets the debt and nobody has to pay. So if it was a $1,000 loan and the watch was worth $1,000, and the, and the lender lost the watch for the $1,000, then one offsets the other, the debtor doesn't have to pay, and the creditor is not going to get his money. What happens if the collateral is either less or more than the debt? So if the debt is worth more than the collateral, so the debt is the loan was for $1,000, and he gave him a watch only worth $500, and that watch was lost, so we subtract the cost of the collateral, the value of the collateral, from the overall debt. And the love, the borrower, is obligated to pay the balance of the two. Vice versa, if the collateral was worth more than the debt, it was a $1,000 loan, and the collateral was worth $2,000, and he lost the $2,000 collateral, then the malve, the one who was the lender, now is obligated to pay $1,000 back to the, um, to the borrower because his, his collateral that he gave him was worth more than what he owed him to pay. However, if let's say the object of collateral was lost um, out of the control of the Shomer Sachar, which normally a Shomer Sachar is patur, is exempt from ones, so then then the malve is exempt, he'll swear on it, he'll be exempt. He could swear that it was taken from him against his will. It was an honest case, in which case he's not liable for it whatsoever. And he could still collect his debt, his, uh, his loan in full. So we basically treat the malve as a shomer sachar. In situations where he's liable, we're going to do a balanced transaction between the collateral and the loan. In a case where he's not liable, the collateral doesn't factor in and he's still going to be obligated to pay back the love, I should say, is still going to be obligated to pay back his debt to the malve. With this in mind, now we read Mishnah Zayin in situations where there is a dispute between the malve and the love, how much the collateral was for, and a situation of modebe miktzat. Let's read the Mishnah. 
one who lends to his friend uh, money on collateral, and the collateral was lost. Amarlo, the malve says to the love, the, the lender says to the borrower, Sela hilviticha alav, I lent you a sela worth of money. And the collateral was only worth a shekel. Important to define our monetary values here. A sela has the value of four dinarim. A shekel is half that has two dinarim. So we're going to be talking in terms of sela, shekel, and dinar. Sela is the top, top hole. Shekel is worth two dinarim, and a sela is worth four dinarim. Um, if you want to think about it in dollars and, and, and quarters, a sela is a dollar. A uh, shekel is a half dollar, and a uh, dinar is a quarter, if you wanted to think about it in those terms. So the lender, the malve, says, I lent you a dollar, a sela, and your collateral was only worth 50 cents. It was only worth two of the four, of the four units, two dinarim. And the love, the borrower, says, Lo, that's not true. Loki, that's not the case. Ela sela hilvitani alav, you lent me a sela. Vesela hayashave, and the collateral was worth a sela. So therefore, it should offset. In this situation, the love is not being modet to any payment that he has to make. He's basically saying, I covered my debt by giving you that collateral. You lost the collateral, it wipes out the debt. Patur, the love is exempt from swearing in such a situation. Since he is not modet b'miktzat, there is no biblical shivu'ah, but as we normally point out, there will be a shivu'ah teset, a shivu'ah midir banan. However, if the case reads differently, sela hilviticha alav, the lender says, I lent you a sela, v'shekel hayashave, and your collateral was worth two dinarim, a shekel, and therefore the difference between this is two dinarim. You should have to pay me two dinarim. V'hala omer, and the love, the borrower says, Loki, that's not the case. Ela sela hilvitani alav. You lent me a sela. Ushlosha dinarim hayashave, and the collateral was worth three dinarim, which means I owe you one dinar. So the malve, the borrow, the lender is claiming you owe me two dinarim. The love, the borrower, is claiming I owe you one dinar. That's a modebe miktzat case. In this situation, hayav, the lender will be the borrower. Excuse me, will be liable to swear and pay the remaining balance, but he's obligated to swear because this is a case. Um, as Bartinura points out, he agreed, he acquiesced to a portion of the claim against him of two dinarim. Then he says, since the borrower also has to swear how much his collateral was worth. He has to testify what his collateral was worth and swear for it. And the malve, the borrower, excuse me, the lender who took the collateral, he also has to swear because he's swearing that the that that object is no longer in his possession. He has to swear that it was in fact stolen from him in order to get him, uh, even though he's going to still have to pay, he's still going to have to make that swear because maybe we think the object is in his possession and he's just lying about it. Where suspect, maybe he caught his eye on this Rolex watch that he really loved and he wanted the watch even for the paying. So he said, you know what, I'll claim 
that I lost the Rolex watch or that it was stolen, whatever. I'll pay the money for it. Who cares? But at least I get the Rolex at the end of the day. So he has to swear he doesn't have the Rolex in his possession. So in this situation, both parties are going to have to swear. The Malveh is swearing that he doesn't have the object and he's going to pay. The Loveh has to swear how much his collateral was worth to define its value in order to determine how much the difference is between the collateral and the debt that he took on. In this situation, Bedin put the Shivua on the Malveh first to determine that he doesn't have the object. And then afterwards, they cause the love to swear how much it was worth. Why do they do it in this order? Because if they ask the love to swear first, and he swears how much his collateral is worth, and then the malve pulls out a trick and says, oh, you say it's worth that much? Here, well, I have it in my possession. Here you go. Let's see how much it's worth. And he can make the love look like a fool and end up turning out that his swear was false, right? Maybe the, the borrower will swear first. And he wasn't careful about how much it was worth. The Malve will take out the Mashkon. And he'll cause him to be Pasul Edut and Shivua. He basically did a false swear. He wasn't really intending to swear falsely, but maybe he didn't get the projection 100% right. And now the Malve is going to make him look terrible. And the Malve is going to negate him from being able to give testimony and swears in the future. To avoid this problem, the rabbis changed the order. First, you malveh swear that you don't have the object in your possession. When you swear that you don't have the object in your possession, now the loveh has to swear how much that object is worth. Now, in the end of this Mishnah, we will see, that's which it says in the Sefa, Who's going to do the Shavuah? We'll see this in a minute. It's not one Shavuah to the exclusion of the other. It's whose Shavuah goes first. And we'll see this when we read the second case here in the Mishnah. Continuing in the Mishnah, the Mishnah says, It's basically a similar situation, just reversing who has to owe who. In this case, the borrower, the lender, excuse me, the Malve, claims that he lent him a Sela. And the, um, and the borrower says, the borrower is now accusing, excuse me, the lender. The borrower says, you lent me a sela, but I gave you collateral that's worth two sela. So you lent me $100 and I gave you a collateral that's worth $200. You owe me money now, says the love to the malve. And now the malve counters, the malve says, Loki, that's not true. He says, no, I lent you 100 and your collateral was worth 100. It washes out. Patur, the malve now is exempt from swearing because the, the accusation is on him. He's not being If the love claims, I lent you a sell, I borrowed a sela and I gave you collateral of two sela. And the Malve says, Loki, that's not the case. I lent you a Sela. And your collateral was worth five dinarim. Now, five dinarim is one more dinar than a Sela. So here the Malve is admitting that he's going to owe something back to the Love. He's just not admitting to the full amount. The Love claims you owe me four dinar. You owe me a full Sela because it was two to one. The Malve says, No. I only owe you one dinar because I lent you a sela and the collateral was worth five dinarim. So he's more debe miktzad. In this situation, again, where is more debe miktzad? 
um, then he's liable to give the swear. The malveh in this case is obligated to swear how much he's going to owe him. Now, in both cases, again, as we already illustrated in Bhagavad both parties have to swear. They have to swear to the collateral and they have to swear to the fact that he doesn't have the collateral in his possession, how much the collateral is worth and the fact that he doesn't have collateral in his possession. The question is, in which case, who swears first? Who swears over here is what Baratinura meant when it says who swears is not who has to swear, it's who swears first. Whoever is the one who is the holder of the picadon or was the last holder of the picadon, the item that's in question, he has to swear first. Why does he have to swear first? Because maybe the other party will swear and the other one's going to take out the picadon and claim you're a false witness because you claim the value that's not what it's worth. So in both cases in this situation, the malveh is going to have to swear first. It doesn't matter the content of the swear. In the first half of the Mishnah, the malveh is swearing he doesn't have the picadon. In the second half, he's going to have to swear to it also. In the sec- in the in both cases, the lovet is going to swear to the value of the picadon. It's always going to be the malveh who swears first and the lovet who swears second, even though in one case the malveh is going to get money and in the other case the lovet is going to get money. That's not important. We don't want the person who claims to have the, who was supposed to have the object to swear second because he'll take out the object and prove the other guy to be false. So this is our final case in this Mishnah of Modeb and Basically the same case, just looking at who's the obligated party, who's, who's the exempt party, and the key being that Modeb and Miksat, whoever's moving in Miksat, is Hayav Shivu Amidei